Pints with Jack, Season 2, Episode 42. A vignette from The Great Divorce. Good morning, everyone. We are now officially here. I'm very pleased to announce that we are now at the end of Season 2. Next week, Matt and I will be releasing the first episode of Season 3, where we're talking through Till We Have Faces. And so to end Season 2 of Pints with Jack, where we've been discussing The Great Divorce, I thought I would share a recording that I made back when we were studying The Great Divorce here in our C.S. Lewis San Diego discussion group. This is a recording that I made with my friend Justin, and it's an extract from Chapter 11 of The Great Divorce. This is a scene where Lewis recounts the meeting of a ghost who has a lizard on his shoulder with an angel. And at the end of that interaction, Lewis's guide through heaven, George MacDonald, asks him if he's understood what he's seen. I saw coming towards us a ghost who carried something on his shoulder. Like all the ghosts, he was unsubstantial, but they differed from one another as smokes differ. Some had been whitish, This one was dark and oily. What sat on his shoulder was a little red lizard, and it was twitching its tail like a whip and whispering in his ear. As we caught sight of him, he turned his head to the reptile with a snarl of impatience. Shut up, I tell you, he said. It wagged its tail and continued to whisper to him. He ceased snarling and presently began to smile. Then he turned and started to limp westwards, away from the mountains. Off so soon, said a voice. The speaker was more or less human in shape, but larger than a man and so bright that I could hardly look at him. His presence smote on my eyes and on my body too, for there was heat coming from him as well as light, like the morning sun at the beginning of a tyrannous summer day. Yes, I'm off, said the ghost. Thanks for all your hospitality, but it's no good, you see. I told this little chap, here he indicated the lizard, that he'd have to be quiet if he came, which he insisted on doing. Of course, his stuff won't do here, I realise that. But he won't stop. I shall just have to go home. Would you like me to make him quiet? Said the flaming spirit, an angel as I now understood. Of course I would, said the ghost. Then I will kill him, said the angel, taking a step forward. Oh, ah, look out, you're burning me. Keep away, said the ghost, retreating. Don't you want him killed? You didn't say anything about killing him at first. I hardly meant to bother you with anything so drastic as that. It is the only way, said the angel, whose burning hands were now very close to the lizard. Shall I kill it? Well, that's a question. I'm quite open to considering it. But it's a new point of view, isn't it? I mean, for the moment, I was only thinking about silencing it because up here, well, it's so damned embarrassing. May I kill it? Well, there's time to discuss that later. There is no time. May I kill it? Please, I never meant to be such a nuisance. Please, really, don't bother. Look, it's gone to sleep of its own accord. I'm sure it'll be all right now. Thanks ever so much. May I kill it? Honestly, I don't think there's the slightest necessity for that. I'm sure I shall be able to keep it in order now. I think the gradual process would be far better than killing it. The gradual process is of no use at all. Don't you think so? Well, I'll think over what you've said very carefully. I honestly will. In fact, I'd let you kill it now, but as a matter of fact, I'm not feeling frightfully well today. It would be most silly to do it now. I need to be in good health for the operation. Some other day, perhaps. 
There is no other day. All days are present now. Get back! You're burning me! How can I tell you to kill it? You'd kill me if you did. It is not so. Why? You're hurting me now. I never said it wouldn't hurt you. I said it wouldn't kill you. Oh, I know. You think I'm a coward. But it isn't that. Really, it isn't. I say, let me run back by tonight's bus and get an opinion from my own doctor. I'll come back the first moment I can. This moment contains all moments. Why are you torturing me? You're jeering at me. How can I let you tear me in pieces? If you'd wanted to help me, why didn't you just kill the damn thing without asking me before I knew? It would be over by now if you had. I cannot kill it against your will. It is impossible. Have I your permission? The angel's hands were almost closed on the lizard, but not quite. Then the lizard began chattering to the ghost so loud that even I could hear what it was saying. Be careful, it said. He can do what he says. He can kill me. One fatal word from you and he will. Then you'll be without me forever and ever. It's not natural. How could you live? You'd be only a sort of ghost, not a real man as you are now. He doesn't understand. He's only a cold, bloodless, abstract thing. It may be natural for him, but it isn't for us. Yes, yes, I know there are no real pleasures now, only dreams. But aren't they better than nothing? And I'll be so good. I admit I've sometimes gone too far in the past, but I promise I won't do it again. I'll give you nothing but really nice dreams. All sweet and fresh and almost innocent. You might say quite innocent. Have I your permission? said the angel to the ghost. I know it will kill me. It won't. But supposing it did. You're right. It would be better to be dead than live with this creature. Then I may. Damn and blast you. Go on, can't you? Get it over. Do what you like, bellowed the ghost. But it ended whimpering, God help me. God help me. Next moment, the ghost gave a scream of agony such as I never heard on earth. The burning one closed his crimson grip on the reptile. It twisted while it bit and writhed, and then he flung it, broken back on the turf. Ow, that's done for me, gasped the ghost, reeling backwards. For a moment, I could make out nothing distinctly. Then I saw, between me and the nearest bush, unmistakably solid but growing every moment solider, the upper arm and the shoulder of a man. Then, brighter still and stronger, the legs and hands. The neck and golden head materialized while I watched, and if my attention had not wavered, I should have seen the actual completing of a man, an immense man, naked, not much smaller than the angel. What distracted me was the fact that at the same moment, something seemed to be happening to the lizard. At first, I thought the operation had failed. So far from dying, the creature was still struggling and even growing bigger as it struggled. Then, as it grew, it changed. Its hinder parts grew rounder. The tail, still flickering, became a tail of hair that flickered between huge and glossy buttocks. Suddenly, I started back, rubbing my eyes. What stood before me was the greatest stallion I had ever seen. Silvery white, but with mane and tail of gold. It was smooth and shining, rippled with swells of flesh and muscle, whinnying and stamping with its hooves. At each stamp, the land and the trees dindled. The new-made man turned and clapped the new horse's neck. It nosed his bright body. Horse and master breathed into each other's nostrils. The man turned from it, flung himself at the feet of the burning one, and embraced them. When he rose, I thought his face shone with tears. 
but it may have been only the liquid love and brightness, one cannot distinguish them in that country, which flowed from him. I had not long to think about it. In joyous haste, the young man leapt upon the horse's back. Turning in his seat, he waved a farewell, then nudged the stallion with his heels. They were off before I knew well what was happening. There was riding, if you like. I came out as quickly as I could from among the bushes to follow them with my eyes, but already they were only like a shooting star far off on the green plain, and soon among the foothills of the mountains. Then, like a star, I saw them winding up, scaling what seemed impossible steeps, and quicker every moment, till near the dim brow of the landscape, so high that I must strain my neck to see them, they vanished, bright themselves into the rose brightness of that everlasting morning. While I still watched, I noticed that the whole plain and forest were shaking with a sound which, in our world, would be too large to hear, but there I could take it with joy. I knew it was not the solid people who were singing. It was the voice of that earth, those woods and those waters, a strange, archaic, inorganic noise that came from all directions at once. The nature or arch-nature of that land rejoiced to have been once more ridden and therefore consummated in the person of the horse. It sang, The master says to our master, Come up, share my rest and splendor till all natures that were your enemies become slaves to dance before you and backs for you to ride and firmness for your feet to rest on. From beyond all place and time, out of the very place, authority will be given you. The strength that once opposed your will shall be obedient fire in your blood and heavenly thunder in your voice. Overcome us that, so overcome, we may be ourselves. We desire the beginning of your reign as we desire dawn and dew, wetness at the birth of light. Master, your master has appointed you forever to be our king of justice and our high priest. Do you understand all this, my son? said the teacher. I don't know about all, sir, said I. Am I right in thinking the lizard really turned into the horse? Aye, but it was killed first. You'll not forget that part of the story. I'll try not to, sir. But does it mean that everything, everything that is in us, can go on to the mountains? Nothing, not even the best and noblest, can go on as it now is. Nothing, not even what is lowest and most bestial, will not be raised again if it submits to death. It is soon a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. Flesh and blood cannot come to the mountains, not because they are too rank, but because they are too weak. What is a lizard compared to with a stallion. Lust is a poor, weak, whimpering, whispering thing compared with that richness and energy of desire which will arise when lust has been killed. But am I to tell them at home that this man's sensuality proved less of an obstacle than that poor woman's love for her son? For that was, at any rate, an excess of love. You'll tell them no such thing? He replied sternly. Excess of love, did you say? There was no excess, there was defect. She loved her son too little, not too much. If she had loved him more, there'd be no difficulty. I do not know how her affair will end, but it may well be that at this moment she's demanding to have him down with her in hell. 
that kind is sometimes perfectly ready to plunge the soul they say they love in endless misery, if only they can still in some fashion possess it. No, no, you must draw another lesson. You must ask if the risen body even of appetite is as grand a horse as you saw. What would the risen body of maternal love or friendship be? But once again my attention was diverted. Is there another river, sir? I asked. I think that's quite a fitting way to conclude this season. So all that remains to say is please follow us on social media at Pints with Jack. Feel free to send us messages and be sure to check out pintswithjack.com where you'll find everything that we do as well as a link to the new Pints with Jack t-shirts which are available for sale. And lastly, I'd encourage everyone to read the first two chapters of Till We Have Faces and join us next week in season three when Matt and I will be going further up and further in. Cheers! Cheers!